friends. This is Cliff Knight from Equippers International. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We want to lift up Jesus and provide a place for you to learn more about Him and to grow in your relationship with Him. If you find the podcast helpful, feel free to share it with others. We believe it will be a source of blessing and encouragement, and you will be strengthened in your relationship with Jesus. Hello, welcome back to the Equippers International Podcast. We are in the book of Romans, and we're in chapter 2. I hope that in this episode we'll finish chapter 2. We have this one last paragraph where Paul takes up this interesting topic of circumcision. It's a topic that's not talked much in the Christian circles these days, but probably should be something that we understand and talk about more. Let me read the verses from verse 25 through 29, and then we'll do some interpretation. And in this episode, again, we're going to do a little bit of Bible study because I want to just dig into this idea of circumcision and get some insight into how we're to understand it. Verse 25, Romans chapter 2. For indeed, circumcision is of value if you practice the law. But if you are a transgressor of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So if the uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? And he who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you who, though having the letter of the law and circumcision, are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. Well, this is a classic Pauline passage. And what I mean by that is Paul has a tendency to take significant truths and significant images and turn things upside down or actually to dig into them at a depth that really reveals the true meaning of things. Paul's going to make some comments in this paragraph that would have been revolutionary in regards to circumcision in the minds of the Jews. Again, what's happening in this whole passage is that Paul is going through this argument very methodically, and he's eliminating every possible angle through which the Jews could argue that they have some type of favorable position before God. And he's already taken up the whole issue of the law. We've looked at that in previous episodes. And now he turns to this covenant concept of circumcision. Now, we know that God gave Abraham circumcision as a covenant sign after he made the promise to him that he would make him a great nation. Now, why God chose circumcision as the actual physical process to show covenant with Abraham, I have no idea. And I don't think anybody in their right mind would venture out into the mind of God and say this is why he did it. But we do know that he did it, and we do know that it was a physical sign, and it would become something that would be lifted into the spiritual realm. And we're going to see that in this episode because this happens over and over again. God takes things in natural history, things that he did mostly through the children of Israel in his 
his relationship with them, and he lifts them into a higher domain. He lifts them into the spiritual realm because ultimately he knew that these signs and these figures and these ideas would take on deep spiritual truth in the future. And this is exactly what happens with circumcision. I believe in the first part of this paragraph, Paul is putting forth a hypothetical situation. He again alludes to the practice of the law. What he means by there is the fulfilling of the law perfectly. So he says, if you practice circumcision, it has value if you keep the whole law. Because the Jews had come to a place where they had seen circumcision as some type of covenant sign in which they were okay with God, but yet they were not able to practice the law as the law requires, perfectly. So they look to their circumcision kind of as their security blanket. And Paul says, no, you can't do that. Your circumcision has value as long as you keep the law. But if you transgress the law, if you break the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. And then he argues that if an uncircumcised man can keep the requirement of the law, then will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? It's a hypothetical question question. And he who is physically uncircumcised, if he actually keeps the law, won't he judge you who have the law and circumcision, but yet you break it? So what's the whole point of the argument? The whole point of the argument for Paul is that the Jews are breaking the law. And because they're breaking the law, they're guilty before God. They can't fall back on circumcision. So he's given this hypothetical argument to combat this mindset that was in the Jews. So he goes on to say in verse 29, the most important thing that he says in this whole paragraph, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is that which is of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. Now, this is the verse that really begins to unpack Paul's understanding of circumcision as a believer and in the new covenant. Now, for the remainder of the episode, I just want to go through some scriptures and just kind of unpack this idea of circumcision and how the understanding of circumcision develops throughout the New Testament. Paul is the one author in the New Testament that overwhelmingly speaks about the circumcision. No other of the apostles that write the epistles to the churches even mention circumcision. But Paul goes into extensive discussion about the significance of circumcision. But first of all, we see the only place in the Gospels where circumcision is even mentioned is after Jesus heals the man in John at the pool of Bethesda. There's an argument later on, a couple chapters later, where the Pharisees begin to indict him about doing a good deed on the Sabbath. And Jesus gives insight in his response to the Pharisees about the origin of circumcision. He says in John chapter 7, verse 22 and 23, For this reason, Moses has given you circumcision, not because it is from Moses, but from the fathers. He's mentioning Abraham. So if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? So Jesus is giving this argument again. He's posing a question to the Pharisees and he's saying, 
you have incorporated circumcision as really part of the Mosaic law, but it wasn't from Moses. It came from the fathers. And this means that it predated the law, but the Jews had incorporated circumcision as this Abrahamic covenant that came 400 years before the law. They had incorporated it into their Mosaic law. And it gives some insight into what the Jews had done with this covenant sign that God had given Abraham long before the law was ever given and how they brought mixture into their understanding of the covenant that God had made with Abraham and the law that had come through Moses. And then in Acts chapter 7, Stephen mentions circumcision as the covenant that God had given to Abraham in his sermon before the Pharisees, before they stoned him. So those are really the only two references in the New Testament outside of the letters of Paul that circumcision is even talked about or mentioned. But now in Romans 2, what Paul does in this verse in verse 29 is he lifts the idea of circumcision out of the natural in the actual removal of the foreskin, and he moves it into the spiritual realm. And he says that he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that which is of the heart done by the Spirit. So in Romans chapter 4, he's going to argue that Abraham received this promise from God on the basis of faith even before he was circumcised. And we're going to look at that as we get to Romans chapter 4. But he's going to make it very clear that circumcision was given as a sign of the covenant of the promise that Abraham believed before he was circumcised. So circumcision only comes for Abraham after After he's believed the promise of God. So he doesn't receive the promise of God on the basis of circumcision. He receives the promise of God on the basis of faith. But now Paul sets the record straight in the natural realm. And in Galatians 5, he goes through this whole argument about circumcision because you have to understand the historical setting in which Paul's dealing with. All throughout his ministry, as he moved through Asia Minor and he planted churches and preached the gospel to the Gentile churches because he was an apostle sent to the Gentiles, or as he would put it, the uncircumcised. So he goes and he preaches the gospel and he teaches the Gentiles that all they have to do is believe in God to receive by faith the promises that are there through Christ. And then these Jewish believers are coming back behind him and they are telling the Gentile believers that, yeah, it's great that you've come to faith in Christ, but now you need to be circumcised as an outward expression. And Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. And in 6.15, he says, For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. So Paul is going to drive to the true issue, and the true issue is the new creation in Christ Jesus that happens as a result of Christ being crucified, buried, and resurrected. He becomes the head of a new creation that in faith people enter into, and they become partakers of the divine nature with God, and they are part of this new creation. They're not part of a group of people that have some outward expression of a covenant, but they are part of a new creation that is completely other than what it was before. So it's lifting this idea into the spiritual realm. 
So the true meaning of circumcision, Paul lays out beautifully in Colossians chapter 2. And I want to read these verses because they're very instrumental in understanding Paul's understanding of circumcision. He says that in Christ you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority, and in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead when you were dead in your transgressions and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him. Now that's Colossians chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. Paul's saying that there is a circumcision in the spirit that happens to the life of a person when they come to faith in Christ. Christ circumcises their heart. He removes what Paul calls the body of the flesh through the circumcision of Christ. And what is he talking about? He's talking about the condition of man before he comes to Christ. We are in a condition of living and operating according to the flesh. This is an idea that Paul develops extensively throughout his letters. It's the condition of man whereby he lives and operates in his own strength, out of his own resources. And when we come to faith in Christ, God remains moves literally the body of flesh within our hearts, within our inner man. He removes that disposition of operating according to our own understanding and our own resources and our own ability. And it's a cutting away of the flesh from the heart in like fashion of the cutting away of the foreskin. So Paul makes it clear that what's most important is the removal of this body of flesh from our hearts in Christ Jesus. So he makes it very clear that when we come to Christ, not only have we been forgiven of our sins, but we've also experienced a circumcision of our hearts. God has removed the covering from our hearts that has kept us in a place of self-sufficiency and fleshly living, and he reveals our true heart in him that is filled with his life, that is filled with his spirit, so that the true heart of the believer can come forth and be manifested. And Paul also talks about this idea in Philippians chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. I want to end the episode with these verses. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. These are the people that Paul's alluding to that come back behind him in his missionary work, and they try to delude the minds of believers after they've come to faith in Christ that there's something else that they need to do in addition to having faith in Christ, and they need to be circumcised. And Paul calls them false circumcision. That's not a true circumcision, because for Paul, there's only one true circumcision. And he says that we are of the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, although I myself might have confidence in the flesh. And he goes on to give that whole list of things that he could have put his confidence in. Now, that's a whole other discussion. But hear what Paul's saying. 
He's saying there is a true circumcision. And he says that believers are of the true circumcision. They don't put any confidence in their flesh. They don't put any confidence before the Lord in anything that they can do, but they only put their confidence in Christ Jesus. And so this idea of circumcision is something very important in Paul. It is something very important that we need to understand. We need to understand that God has done a very real and deep work within our lives by which he has cut away the body of flesh from our lives so that we can live in the spirit before God and be pleasing to him and have a heart that feels what his heart feels, have a heart that manifests the character and the nature of Christ. Paul is focusing on this point and he's making it very clear that this circumcision of the heart is done by the spirit. It's not done by keeping the letter of the law. Now, he's going to continue to unpack this idea of what God has done by the Spirit through faith throughout the book of Romans and in his other letters. And this is what is most important for Paul. He's always moving things along the line of the spiritual realities of the things that are unseen because those are the things that are eternal. Those are the things where God has really done a powerful work in the heart of a believer. So be strong and courageous and love Jesus more.